Hello, hello, hello. My name is Robert. I am the recovery guy and you have entered into the fix. I do want to thank you so much for joining and tuning into this podcast. We are always excited to have you with us, and uh, we're going to get right into today's topic. It is um, it's entitled "Healthy Relating Leads to Healthy Relationships." Again, healthy relating leads to healthy relationships. And before we get started today, I just want to reiterate something. I try to share with you. Obviously, if, you're, if you've been listening for a while, um, you know, a few months or, or maybe even longer, you, you understand my flow. And even though you, you know my background of alcohol and drug addiction and pornography and compulsive gambling, and I was bulimic and a compulsive overeater, just all of the different behavioral challenges that for me stem directly from my overall addiction to alcohol and drugs. But so many of us, um, I've heard from so many of you listeners, by the way, thank you, who don't suffer from a from an addiction as, as an obvious alcohol or drugs. And yet there's a part of you that has never felt comfortable. And so you've engaged in other negative behavior without being addicted to a particular substance. Here's what I found in my almost 34 years now of personal recovery. After the the alcoholic and the drug addict sets those substances aside and and really doesn't uh, obsess over them or eventually doesn't need them on a cellular level, that that craving for that first hit or that first drink uh, disappears, um, then everything else is is just about living. Um, the program of recovery, regardless of what your church, your synagogue. Um, your temple, uh, AA or NA or any of the other 12-step programs, medical models, um, we set aside the substance first, and then it's all about living, learning how to live one day at a time. It's a plan of living. It's recovery from the inside out. Uh, Alcoholics and drug addicts oftentimes um, have a more challenging time with it because of how long we, we prolong our sickness, masking it with alcohol or drugs. Uh, people who don't have an addiction to a substance like that don't mask very well, um, and they're not medicating necessarily from their pain. So at times they can get to help more often, not always, but at times uh, they can. Uh, so as we listen and relate to each other, let's set aside the things that um, are different from each other in order to celebrate the things where we are alike, the areas we are alike. You know, I think every one of us is going to be able to relate to this first statement, and then we'll, we'll go from there. I think so often we have the fear of being found out. For whatever we're hiding, 
We don't want to be found out. Many of us who are in this path to wellness and recovery, and think about it when you first uh, got here and started uh, contemplating this thing uh, in terms of a life-changing course. Did you believe that if others knew who we were or who we are, where we came from and, and maybe kind of what we've done? Did you ever get that feeling that they wouldn't like us? Do you, you ever feel that way? Where I, I can't let them know this. I want to be with them and I know they want to be with me. But if they find this one thing out, they're going to think less of me. And maybe they won't want me in their life. And so we we hide, we mask, we do whatever we can to overcompensate for the challenges that that behavior or that substance will bring into our life, therefore the relationship. And we hold on to that as long as we can. You know, in, uh, in 12 steps, in 12-step recovery, and for those of you who have attended AA meetings, and I've even seen it in church where, you know, people are encouraged to come back and, and it's that adage of keep coming back, it works. And I remember early on, I said, well, yeah, you say keep coming back, but I would revert to that initial statement. If you really knew who I was, and if you really knew what I did, and if you really knew some of the twisted thoughts I was having at that very moment, you would say, eh, you might be a little bit too twisted for us. Why don't why don't you go get some psychiatric help? And then when they deem you safe and reasonable, then you can come back. It, that was in my head, right? Although that's not what you were saying, but that was in my head because I just had this fear of being found out. In recovery and, you know, even in religious, we're, we're, we're encouraged to share our testimony of, where we were and and how uh, you know where were we on that on on that road um, uh, in the Bible it talks about the road to Damascus where we were at our lowest when 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 God could be at our highest and and we began that journey of being resurrected um, in AA it says give freely of what you find and join us I love the caveat to that give freely of what you find in terms of the things that we learn in recovery, the things that I can learn to improve the version of me, I need to give that away and I need to join others who are doing the same thing. What an awesome thing to go from being afraid to being found out to now taking what I'm learning, giving it away and joining others to doing the same thing. I love the intent of that. But in order for for me, for us to give freely, we must first take down the walls of personal secrecy and begin to share who we are and then not judge what we learn about others. Very important. We need to take down the personal secrecy about ourselves and then share those things with other people we come across in that common place of recovery. 
And then, of course, anything we learn about anyone else, we don't, we don't judge any more than we would want them to judge us, right? Now, as a, as a word of caution, if you're new or relatively new, um, let me say that with some things that we did and where we went, we, we may need to be careful, uh, especially in the beginning, to, to whom and what we discuss. Um, but for the most part, when we're in a group of, of other people of recovery, the whole notion is to, to feel free to share our experience, our strength, and our hope with each other. And that's from the program of Alcoholics Anonymous as a quote. And we need to let other people know who we are, where we come from. Would you ever take your car to a mechanic, drop it off without telling them things they need to know about the car, the sounds it's been making, why you think something's wrong and how you usually drive it because maybe that's an indication of the problem. Would you Would you just drop your keys off at a mechanic and say, you know what, man, I'm not going to give you any clues, but fix it, right? Do the best you can, make it right for me. Here you go, have a nice day. Well, they may or may not be able to do it, but I'll tell you what, if they can do it, the bill's probably going to be pretty high because they're going to need to go through everything as if everything was wrong and exclude things instead of targeting a known issue that they could get to right away. Well, if I go to my doctor and I just say, hey, doc, I just came to see you. I'm not going to share with you what ailment I have. I'm not going to share with you what time of day it occurs or or what I'm doing when it occurs. Uh, but I just need you to, I just need you to understand. I need you to give me a prescription. No, they're gonna they're gonna need to know our symptoms. Do you do you agree with that? Because the same is true with recovery. We are only as sick as our secrets. Take a nice for refreshing drink of my San Pellegrino. There we go. So uh, the same is true with recovery. We we want to share. We we want to relate and have healthy relationships. I believe that you need to have both. One is necessary for the other, and the other is a progression from the one. So relate means to bring into or establish association or connection, excuse me. (coughs) It means to relate, to bring into or establish association or connection. A relationship is an emotional or other connection between people. That, of course, is dictionary.com, a very simple definition, and I like that a lot. So to relate is to bring into or establish association or connection. I'm going to relate this to me. I think this is very important because I lose connection with me. I lose sight 
of who I am. I lose sight of what I like, what I want, what I need, and how those things incorporate into my life because my life got sideways for a long time. And 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 uh, and three degrees or four degrees, you know, may not may not make that much of a difference if I just travel that for a relatively short period of time, and then I I do a course correction and I get back online. We just call that life, right? I mean, we do that even even in recovery. I'll find myself getting off course a little bit, and Laura will mention something to me, or I'll take an inventory of myself, or. One of my coworkers or one of my children would say, hey, Pop, you okay? You know, and, and I sort of check myself, do that checkup from the neck up, right? And then I, I, I make that course correction, and I get back, and I'm fine. But if you're off course for one degree or two degrees for 10, 15, 20, 30 years or five years, how far off are we going to be in relation or relating to ourself? We lose connection. We need to establish association with ourselves. Robert needed to connect to Robert. And until I had that ability to relate to me, it was not going to be very successful in relating to you. And then that relationship is that, by extension now, I'm going to have an emotional or, or another type of connection, maybe a business connection where there's a relationship involved. Maybe there's an emotional or an intimate or a mental relationship. If, if I go to school with you and we're trying to learn the same thing at the same time and help each other. So once I can relate to me and establish a connection or an association with me, then I can have a relationship with you in that emotional or other type of connection, right? So here are some of the things that I wrote down that uh, may work for you, and I hope they do. Again, no in particular order. You can use them or not use them. Once again, I'll post them to in the description of the podcast, and you can do with them as, as you will. Pretty simple stuff, though. Recovery is simple, right? Life wasn't made to be complicated. This is, you know... Sometimes we go to school and we have to learn particular things, and sometimes those topics are complicated. But life, for the most part, is it's, it's pretty simple. It's, it's not to go through life being happy, joyous, and free is, is not a complicated thing. If it were, I probably wouldn't be as successful at it as I am. And I'm very successful in recovery, I'm very successful in my personal life. I'm very successful in my my professional, my work, my training, my coaching life. Very, very successful because I've learned how to relate and then have relationships as a result of that. And so can you. Life is simple. It's not always easy, but it's always simple. So here's the first thing. Going back to my definition of relate, we first begin to relate to who we are and what we hope to become. It's very important to know who am I right here, right now, as Robert Pardon. And then as an extension of that, where do I want to be, right? I don't want to get, again, too far ahead of my skis over the top there. I don't want to tumble. But I need to look forward 
because we need to have hope. We need to have dreams. It's part of our DNA. You know, even though what we have is a daily reprieve contingent upon the maintenance of our spiritual conditioning, and we have that one day at a time adage, that's wonderful in terms of recovery. But so much I want to do and accomplish and things I see for my life um, is in front of me. And it's in front of you as well. So I need to step back, see who I am, make that connection association with me, and then what I want to be as I look forward in my hopes and my dreams. Then we, we make a real commitment to a plan of recovery that mandates that I look at me objectively and fairly. And the reason that that's not the first one is I don't even know who I am yet. I can't make a commitment to something that I don't know until I know me to see if it's going to fit in my life. That's why so often with people in recovery that I've seen over the years in in my field of working in social model recovery, medical model, dual diagnosis facility, all the years that I've gone into the prisons and the residential treatment centers, you know, I tell people to just take it slow. Get to know who you are. Make an initial commitment to a plan of recovery that, are you ready? Here's, Here's the main thing, that mandates I look at me objectively and fairly. Not subjectively, because I don't want to cloud my my view of reality, of really what I have become. I can't sugarcoat it, so it can't be subjective based on my own fears. And I can't be subjective because otherwise I would maybe be too hard on myself. I need to be objective and I need to be fair in terms of how I look at myself within this plan of recovery. Because as I look at my plan of recovery, it's going to ask me, how do I know I belong? And I need that evidence like in AA and NA at step one, admitted we were powerless over fill in the blank, right? And our life had become unmanageable. Well, I need to look at that as a plan of recovery, know that I belong there, but I don't use that information to say what a POS I was, I say, I look at it and recount that history because I want to know that, yes, this is a plan of recovery for me and I can use it as an objective tool to become well. Then here's very important because we don't want to be selfish and self-centered. We then need to take a positive, active interest in others. A positive, active interest in others. We encourage them to share things about themselves. Not because we need to know about them, but we need to know that we fit. We need to know we're in the right place. We need to know that the people who are a part of the movement that I'm now involved in are similar enough to me that there's going to be a point of relation and therefore I need them to share things about them 
so I can then feel a greater sense of belonging. But I need to do so from a positive, active interest in them. I need to let them know that I care, right? Now, earlier I said we don't judge anyone for what they say, but I will tell you right now, you may or may not agree with this, and I'm perfectly fine if you don't. We are told to not take anyone's inventory. Forget about that. We need to take everyone's inventory. My friend and sponsor who's been at this over 40 years now, Slow Will, the happy, grateful, recovered alcoholic, he said, Bobby, here's the deal. You take everyone's inventory, you just don't use it against them, right? We take everyone's inventory, but we don't use it against them. I want to take your inventory only because I want to know what you're about. I want to know what you're doing And maybe I can do the same thing. Maybe we're more alike than I thought. And maybe I can follow in your successful footsteps. Or maybe I can learn something about you that I can add what's working for me. But taking a positive, active interest in someone, people will want to share with you because they know, as we have found, we are only as sick as our secrets right? Then we, as a collective, so I and they, or they and I, can come to a greater understanding, this is very important, that there are more similarities than there's differences between us. There's more similarities about us than there are differences between us. Again, I mentioned it in a previous podcast, I am not unique. Matter of fact, I, I suffered from terminal uniqueness. Um, if I didn't stop thinking I was going to be unique, it was going to kill me. Because since I was new, new, not, since I thought I was unique, nothing or, or, or no one could help me. Because there was always going to be something wrong with their plan because I was just a little bit too sick, a little bit too different. So your model might work for you, but it's not going to work for me. That's a lie. There are more similarities between you and me. Um, I was listening to Shane Raymer, uh, that uh, Sober sober Guy podcast. Go check him out. Go check out Shane. You can find him, uh, Podbean, uh, iTunes, um, Spotify, that Sober Guy podcast, he really had a great um, uh, talk uh, on marriage. And and as I listened to Shane, or as you can call him as his friend, Raymer, right? I was listening, and I he's a really likable person. You're going to enjoy listening. But I thought, man, dude, you and I are so much alike, you know? And and we're difference in age and our background and so on. Um, but there were so many similarities between Raymer and me, Um and, and I really appreciate it. And I found that to be so true in recovery. Don't you find the same? When people are honest and vulnerable, um, don't you find that to be true, that there are more similarities than there are differences? And we need to celebrate those similarities. Now, what we're doing here, we're actually practicing the first tradition of recovery. 
the first tradition of, say, AA and NA, and even biblical references of sharing and caring, the first tradition says our common, and I'm quoting from the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, the, the, the 12 traditions, and I quote, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon AA unity, close quote. Common welfare, what's going on with you and me? How can, because you've had the same challenges in terms of relating to you and turning that relating into relationships as I have had. That's a common welfare. What is going on with us? How commonly can we join to become better? That should come first. Getting out of me, connecting with you, should be the first thing that I should do because personal recovery depends upon unity. So if you're wondering why you're struggling, if you are, why you're not having victory, are you relating? Do you know who you are? Have you done that introspection? And are you establishing an emotional or other connection with others? Are you practicing that first tradition? And then we teach and learn as a method of celebrating the new relational me. We teach and we learn as a method of celebration. You know, the best way to learn is to teach. And we teach what we learn. But as I teach it, I learn more. I learn more avenues. I I get more enlightened. I get some feedback from others when I teach. I love going to Annie's house and the other recovery programs I'm involved with. And you probably know what I'm talking about if you're involved in helping others along the way. You know, we're, we're teaching principles, we're helping them along the way, and we grow so much as a result of that. We are celebrating this new version of me, and it needs to become new on a regular basis. You know, reptiles, they'll shed their skin because the old skin isn't as comfortable, as, as, as protective, as valuable. They become new in their skin. And the same thing as well, we need, to, we need to be willing to shed that old part of me, that part of me that's no longer working or effective. And we need to take on the new me, the newer version, the fresher version, the higher energy version, the more confident version, the more recovered version, the more caring version, the more loving, the more reliable, the more spiritually grounded person, and then share those things. Thank you so much for joining us today. Healthy relating leads to healthy relationships. And I hope that is true with you as you travel this road to recovery. Go to patreon.com forward slash recovery guy. Support our movement. Go to recoveryguy.org. Look at some of my blogs, see what we're doing, support us along the way so we can continue to grow 
what we need to make sure we are always here for each other. I am here for you. And the fact that you are there means that you are there for me. And something very powerful happens when legitimate personal reciprocation takes place. Don't you feel good about who you are because I bring this content to you? Because I know that I feel good because I know you're listening. We're over 4,000 downloads of our, of our podcasts and since just August, and we're just starting to get ramped up. I know you're there. And I think, man, as long as you're there, that message, this message of this recovery movement is going to go strong, is going to ring true. I'm going to work even harder to become a more recovered version of me so, so I can assist you along the way. So I share with you and you return to me by listening, by appreciating, by commenting, by supporting. We are here together. I relate with me so I can have a relationship with you. Thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Robert, and I am The Recovery Guy. I was trying to do everything I could on my own, and I was dying.